We're in the middle of a series, in fact, it's the second message, so maybe not quite the middle, of a series entitled Transforming Pain into Purpose. And it centres around our theme for the year. We're out of the book of Joel, chapter 2 and verse 25. God says, I will restore you. I want you to hear those words. I want to speak it over your life. God says to you, I will restore you. And in the midst of that covenant promise that God gives to us is also acknowledgement that life is filled with pain, disappointment, frustration. Otherwise, there'd be nothing to restore. And Israel had gone through devastating waves, whether they are a, a, a symbolic or literal waves of locusts that have just devoured everything. And some of us feel that way. This has been taken away. That's been taken away. My freedom, this, I can't see my family, whatever the case is. And God says, I will restore you. And today I want to talk about taking back your story. God's got a plan, a destiny for your life. And God hasn't forgotten that destiny. God can get you back on track no matter what's happened. Whether life seems to have interrupted your destiny, whether a bad choice on your part seems to have interrupted your destiny, God wants you to be able to take your story back, get back on track with God, get back into the fullness of all that he has for you. God so it is said, will never put anything on you greater than you can bear. And I believe that's true, but it comes with a qualifier. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own ability. It is with his strength that's through Christ, you can do all things. You can face all things. You can overcome all things. And there are times, despite all of that, that we feel overwhelmed where we feel kind of we've just lost the plot. I don't know how I'm going to get my life or a part of my life back on track. I love the way David, and we've explored this a little bit in a number of messages across the year, wrote honestly about pain, distress, but he always talks about restoration. And I love this verse, just for example, in Psalm 118 and verse 5. He says, out of my distress, I called upon the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free in a large space. And I love that. He's in distress. He's in pain. He hasn't avoided it, even though he is a man after God's own heart. He hasn't avoided it. But he says, I, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free in a large place, a spacious place. And I believe that's what God has for you and for myself, is that he will set us free from all the restraints, the confinement, the frustrations, whatever has been going on in your world through this period that we've been through and bring you into a place of freedom that is spacious, that is expansive, that you're back on track, you've taken your story back. You see, we're in a credible conflict in life and there is no neutral zone. You can't pretend in terms of the spiritual conflict that goes on in this world that you are Sweden, that you can just somehow, that everybody else be fighting and you're in a neutral zone. There is no neutral zone. As a follower of Jesus, you and I are engaged in a spiritual battle. The Bible doesn't hide that fact. It doesn't avoid it. 
And Paul speaking to this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 to 12, it's worth reading the whole section, but I'm highlighting something. He says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I just want to pause there, that concept of the devil's schemes. And we're not glorifying the devil. We're not overstating his importance. But he's got a scheme, a strategy against your life. And you know that because sometimes you know there's certain trigger points that just seem like that happens and your life, you feel that and your life begins to unravel. It's one of the schemes. He knows the weak spot, the soft spot in your life. And then Paul goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, known as one of the greatest preachers ever, said this, to be a Christian is to be a warrior, a fighter, A good soldier of Jesus Christ must not expect to find ease in this world. It is a battlefield. And as part of me is inspired by that and part of me is, oh, no, I'd rather avoid that. I wish there was a neutral zone that I could get into. But in all the years that I've lived, I recognize that's a reality. There is a spiritual battle. There is this fight going on. And at times we kind of get lulled into a season of peace or it seems like there's not much going on. And then suddenly, wham, there's this scheme of the enemy. This is this attack. There's these things that are going on in your life. And you feel like I've lost the plot. I've lost the story. How do I get back into all that God has for me? I want to come to a story when David is fleeing from Saul. And even though his destiny is to be the king of Israel, it seems like the furthest thing from reality. It seems so far away when he looks at his circumstances. He's actually hiding amongst the Philistines. And while he's doing that, he's taking his mighty men, which he's gathered, a whole lot of people that have gathered to him or who are on the wrong side of Saul, but have come to him. And they go on raiding parties against Israel's enemies. And the Amalekites get sick of that. And while David and his men are on one of these raids, they come back to their hometown, which at the moment is Ziglag. And they find the Amalekites have come, this massive army that's been raiding through all that area, the Philistines, the Israelites, but they come to David's camp as well. They take all the wives, all the kids. And for some of those who are still in lockdown, you're thinking you could take my kids right now. I am sick of homeschooling them. But let's not minimize the tragedy that's going on here. That there's this incredible loss, all their possessions. There's utter devastation. First Samuel 30, and I encourage you to read this passage a few times. And when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And it's really a terrible scene of what has gone on. And it says this happened after three days. Uh, And there's a little thing in Scripture that every time you come across three days or three this, you need to pay attention because it's about to clue you into a story of, yes, disaster, yes, pain, yes, it seems like extraordinary loss. But three days is also a signal 
cluing you into that this is a story of rescue, of redemption, of restoration, of resurrection. And you can see the connection to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe right now you feel like David, that something has been stolen from you. Perhaps a relationship, a hope, a dream, a job opportunity, your dignity. Perhaps you feel your peace and maybe a sense that my destiny has been stolen from me. I don't know what to do. Well, again, we come back to something that Jesus said that identifies, yeah, we are in a spiritual battle, but because of Christ, we can overcome. In John 10 and verse 10, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come to give you life that you may have it to the full. He says, yeah, I know there's a battle going. I know you've experienced loss. I know the thief, the devil has come to steal something from you, to destroy something, to burn something in your life as were. But I have come to give you life and life to the full, a life that overflows. But there's a process involved in this. You see, crisis in our lives is incredibly revealing. It kind of brings the real out, uh, out, the real stuff out of us. Somebody said that, Christians, and I guess it's true of all people, are like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you put them in hot water. Angie Ward said this, ultimately the revelations that happen in a crisis lay bare our spiritual state. We are forced to face uncomfortable realities. We do not control our lives completely. Haven't we learned that in the season? And we are desperately dependent on God. See, crisis surfaces things. And maybe you've been forced to face some uh, things about yourself, your circumstances that you just don't like. Well, God wants you to be able to take back your story. He says, I will restore you. We've got two options. One, and it's probably something we've all done and maybe are doing, We react to the circumstance. That's what happened to David and his men. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. When you notice this scene, it's terrible. They've come back. This, the town where they live in is burnt to the ground. Everything's gone. Wives, children, sons, daughters, possessions. And they are grieved. They are bitter in their soul. It's more than just a disappointment. This is a, a tragedy. And in their distress something begins to happen to the men. They begin to react against David. So David's dealing with his own loss and the reaction of those mighty men who are meant to be following him. And under pressure, the devil seeks to inflame your imagination. You've all experienced it. Suddenly you're imagining all these things. Very few of them actually happen, but in your imagination, everything is heightened, exaggerated. 
He seeks to whip up your emotions. He can get you to react rather than to respond to things. And obviously it begins to confuse your thinking where you get into the spiral kind of thing. And I can't get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get my life back on track. But it's ultimately to paralyze you so you don't act in accordance with God's promises, God's word and God's purpose and destiny for your life. I remind you that these men who are reacting are David's mighty men. They volunteered for this. They joined him. They said, yeah, David, let's go do this stuff. And suddenly the enemy being pushed, there's a backlash and they fall apart in this situation. And they become, as it were, those who take on a victim mentality. Yes, they're victims. They've experienced pain and loss, but they now take on a mindset of defeat, a victim mentality. You see, we need a place to put our pain. And if we don't put our pain, having acknowledged it, first of all, into a proper place, that is through prayer and lament. We talked a little bit about it last week. Prayer and lament onto the Lord, into the Lord's hands. We begin to react against others and begin to blame them. But God promises this over every single circumstance of your life as you just love him and seek to follow him. I love this verse, Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that in all things, I want you to say this within me, maybe put it in the text. In all things, not just in some things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And I just love the simplicity of this. It's not a complicated formula. It's kind of straightforward. It just says, not simple, but straightforward. He says, I just need you to keep loving me, which infers trust, relationship. And I want you to believe I can get you back into your destiny, that I can work all things together for good, those who love me and who've been called according to his purpose. His plan, getting your story back on track. Casting blame only robs us of being able to move on from the place of pain. And it's not a click of the fingers, but it is a resolution. And sometimes you have to go through all the stages of grief. And yeah, part of that is blame and trying to find who do I blame for this. I'm not saying push that down, deny that. But there comes a point where you've got to go, I've got to move on from this. And with God's help, I believe you can because God says to you, I will restore you. You can take back your story as you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, better than reacting is responding. Newton's third law states that to every action, there's always an opposed or equal reaction. And we do face opposition from the devil. We are followers of Jesus. We are advancing. We're taking ground. Sometimes it doesn't always seem like it, but we're there. We're making a difference. And the devil pushes back against that. But in our case, the reaction is not equal. We need to understand that because we are anchored in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And sometimes the push of the enemy, the circumstance of life almost knocks us off our feet. But in Christ, we stand firm. 1 John 4 and verse 4, John, the beloved apostle says this, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I want you to catch that. I want you to get that in your spirit. He who is in you, namely Christ, is greater than anything that the enemy can summon, anything that the world can summon to throw against you. I like something that Tim Keller said, and obviously he's speaking to a bigger topic, but it applies to this, that God allows evil enough space until it ultimately destroys itself. And there's so many examples of that in the scripture. You want to read a great story on that. Read the book of Esther and you'll see that Haman overreaches his hand and eventually the very evil that he created destroys him. And that's a biblical principle. And so you might be in that place. How long, Lord? When am I going to get out of this? Well, God's working something in you because if you've said yes to Jesus, Christ is in you. And if you haven't, I'm going to give you that opportunity to get your relationship right with God later in this message where you can say yes to Jesus and get into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is a difference between a reaction and a response to your circumstances. A reaction is usually immediate where you lash out, where you, you know, it's just a frustration But as a follower of Jesus, he calls us to respond. And your response should be thoughtful, intentional, spirit-led, and based on God's word, based on scripture. I want to say that again. As a follower of Jesus, your response should be thoughtful, intentional, spirit-led, and based on the authority of God's word, God's promises to you. We see this in Jesus when he was driven of the spirit, led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Luke's gospel puts it this way. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And there's a principle that flows out. The devil said to him, and every time Jesus answered, it is written. And you need to stand on the authority of God's word, what God says about you, God's promises to you. Don't try and argue or negotiate with the devil. Just respond when that overwhelming force comes in, when it feels like you've been knocked off balance. No, it is written, I'm a child of God. It is written, I am forgiven. And quote some of those great verses. It is written that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It is written that my life is in the hand of Jesus and nothing can pluck me out. It is written, it is written, it is written. And at the end of this period, Jesus came out of the wilderness, out of that dry place, out of that terrible place and returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. You see, it's not what goes on in the wilderness experience. It's what goes on in you that will allow you to come 
out of the wilderness, out of that dry place in the power of the Holy Spirit. That beautiful connection between God's word, God's promises and being led by the Spirit. So let's drop back into this incredible story of David and his mighty men at Ziglag, 1 Samuel 30. You see, sometimes when we face loss, we feel like it's going to swamp us, overwhelm us, and there's no way forward. There's no way out of it. But nothing is completely lost because God has covenanted with you to restore you. That promise, I will restore you. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a mighty savior. He's a high tower. He's a place of safety. He is all of those things to you and to me today. David, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, found strength in the Lord his God. While his men are losing the plot, David found strength in the Lord his God. And he said to Abathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he, that is God said. It's about taking your story back, David. Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and will succeed in the rescue. I want to just lift down three simple things. Number one, whatever's going on in your world, have a flat or awful or whatever loss you feel like you experienced or really have experienced and all the emotions that come with it. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And last week we talked a bit about lamenting. I'm not going to recap that. But that's one of the things, the pouring out of your heart in the presence of God to God and then beginning to declare his promises, his victory as you come out of that. You see, David didn't deny his feelings. He didn't push them down. He didn't pretend nothing was happening. But he did bring his feelings and put them in submission to God. He did pour out his heart. And you read this pattern in so many of the Psalms where Paul even yells at God sometimes. But he always comes back to this place of being centered in God's promises, centered in praise. Psalm 138 and verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. And you made me bold with strength in my soul. Oh, I love that. You made me bold with strength in my soul. So encourage yourself in the Lord. Secondly, seek God's presence. There's a little phrase when he says to the priest, bring me the effort. And we think, well, what's that about? Well, an effort was a garment of praise, something that you put on that the priest wore in worship. And Jesus provides us with a garment of praise. You can read this in Isaiah 61, which is part of the declaration of the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus quoted this passage in Luke's gospel, chapter four at Capernaum, when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And amongst the things that he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and causing me to do for you is to give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I want you to hear that. Today, God wants to put on you a garment of praise and take away the spirit of heaviness. And so as we're going to worship in a few moments, 
Let that happen. Use that moment of praise. Let it wash over you. Let it be that moment we say, Jesus, you need to take this garment of heaviness of my life and I want to receive the garment of praise that you have for me. Don't minimize the pain that you experience. This is not a denial of pain or loss. They, it says in Psalm 69, verse 29 to 30, I'm afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When you notice in the middle of the pain, David says, I'm afflicted, I'm in pain, but... I'm going to put on the garment of praise. I'm beginning to declare that God is the God of my salvation, that God is my deliverer, that God is my healer, that God is my provider, that God is the source of my breakthrough so that I can take back my story, get back on into destiny. The third thing, you need to run towards the raw. And I'm going to explain the significance of that statement in just a moment. But David inquired of the Lord, 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Shall I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered, and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. We don't know how many thousands were in this band of raiding, this, in this raiding party. We know that at one time that after rescuing them and having a mighty victory, it says that only 400 escaped on camels. So imagine how big this raiding group was. And David's got a few hundred men, but he runs towards the roar. He runs towards the enemy. He was happy to pursue, to get back his story, to get back the lives and the destiny of the men who were with him and their families. He ran towards the source of what had caused him pain. He ran towards the raw. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and 9, Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Now, I come from Africa, and you can watch this on uh, National Geography and all things, of how lions usually hunt. And in a pride of lions, the male lion is bone lazy. And some of you are saying, well, nothing changes in the human realm either. But he's bone lazy. But he's got a roar that is so loud that it can be heard, they say, up to 10 miles away. And what he will do will let the lionesses set a trap downwind from a watering hole. He will then move upwind. And all he does is stand up and roar. And the animals, the deer, flee from the sound straight into the trap of the lionesses. You see, the devil doesn't want you to run towards your pain, embrace your pain, acknowledge the loss. He wants you to keep avoiding it, to dismiss it, to suppress it, because there's victory found in running towards the roar. You see, the danger is not where the noise, the clamor's coming from, that, that thing that fears us, I don't want to face that, I don't want to deal with that. And there's time, there's process in this. The danger is running away where the lionesses are. 
came across this incredible quote by a guy called Davy Blackburner. And I just want to read it to you and then tell you a little bit about his story. What people will often do when they encountered, encounter a trial, a tragedy or a painful experience is that they will run away from the pain. Pain is terrifying. It's messy. It sneaks up on you and can cripple you in an instant. It knocks the breath out of you, but it can't kill you. Most people are fearful of stepping into the pain, letting their heart feel the full weight of it, working through it and giving it over to the Lord. It makes you feel too exposed and vulnerable. And so they never actually come to the place of healing. It's a profound statement that he makes there. Profound insight. But let me tell you a little bit about his story out of which he wrote that paragraph. David Blackburn and his wife Amanda had planted a church in Indianapolis in the United States. They'd been married seven years. They had a 15-month-old son, Weston, and she was pregnant with their second child. He'd gone to the gym and on his return, found that their home had been invaded by three people who have now been convicted. And they had raped her and then murdered her, killing their unborn child. You can only imagine the pain, the loss, the destruction that was going on inside of him. It wasn't an easy process. And about a year later, they'd moved out of the home. It was just too painful to live in it. About a year later, he's in a worship time with the creative team preparing for a service. And he felt God spoke to him and said, you need to face the raw. You need to go back. And it'd been inspired by a message he'd heard much earlier and it's now booked through the eyes of a lion by Pastor Levi Lusco. And he determined the next day to go back to the house that was empty. There'd been a police scene and go back. And so he put on worship in his earbuds with fear and trepidation, went back to the house and he went and lay on the spot we had found his wife and their unborn child dead and just let the worship fill his heart, fill his soul, invited the Spirit of God come. I want to read what he says. The morning I returned, I put worship music in my earbuds, lay down on the spot where I found her, wept, prayed and worshipped. And then something miraculous began to happen. After about 45 minutes of running towards the raw, the darkness that in my mind had hovered over the location was now being taken captive by a risen saviour and I wasn't afraid anymore. Initially, when you run towards the raw, it's excruciating, but eventually it's healing. You can't selectively numb your heart. You can't numb the parts of your heart that feel pain and still attune to the parts that feel pleasure. 
You either numb it all or you feel it all. There's no alternative. To feel the joy of dancing on the other side, you must first be willing to step into the sting of mourning. Wow, how powerful is that? In Psalm 30 and verse 11, David says, You've turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. David ran towards the roar and the story records he recovered everything that the Amalekites had taken. Nothing was missing. David brought everything back. God had promised, I will restore you. He ran towards the roar and there was a victory. I know what I'm saying is not easy. And you can only do that when you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you stand on the authority of God's Word, when the Spirit begins to lead you and prompt you, when you begin to pour out your heart to the Lord, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the loss, not push it down, not pretend that you're over it when you're not. And so I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And if you don't, I want to invite you to take that step of faith of saying yes to Jesus. Perhaps you do, but it's kind of drifted and maybe the pain's got in the way, the loss has got in the way. Well, there's a moment to come back and just put Jesus at the very center of your life. <music> 